then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, the teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he heard that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who himself was in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him, because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that day. For before this, they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him, neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas. A man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! The third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. And as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the city, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people, and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, 
Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? The sermon text this afternoon is taken from John chapter 19, verses 16 to 30. John chapter 19, verses 16 to 30. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldier took charges to change of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Arabic is called Gaukota. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side of Jesus and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic. Latin and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, they say. They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldier did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Madeline. When Jesus saw his mother there and his disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later knowing that everything has now been finished, and so the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put a sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave out his spirit. May God bless the reading of his word. This afternoon, Pastor Vincent is going to preach to us love in pain. Let's bow our head. Fathers, we come before you, that we as your children, we unite our hearts together, that we commemorate, we remember, and we ponder on your death, your suffering, die horribly and die without dignity. And that's the incident that we cannot imagine. So, Father, would your spirit be with all of us, be with your servant. As he preach, be with him and empower him. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. So can you remember a time when you, um, you took a risky step in your life just to make some choice, just to make some changes in your life? And could you remember one risky step that you took in your life? Now for businessmen, it will probably, you have calculated, you have known that there will be a lot of risks ahead of you. And there will be some uncertainties in front of you. And there will be a lot of unknown situations around you. But you still take the risky step ahead just to make some investment and just to make some choice and just to build up your company. Or maybe for some people, if you were thinking about to change the track in your life, that you want to quit this job and you want to change your life patterns, now you probably will encounter a lot of uncertainties, unknown situations in your life, but you still dive into it and make that change. You took the risky step ahead. So normally for, for most of us, now our mentality is this. If we fail, it doesn't matter. We just started all of it again. We might, might just as well take that risky step ahead. With all courage and how brave as we, do we, as we are, that we just take that risky step. Now what if... Now in your life, there's only one choice in your life that you ought to take this step ahead of you. And you are destined to die without dignity. Maybe to die for your spouse, maybe to die for the church, maybe to die for the company, or maybe to die for your family. But ultimately, your only missions in your life is you got to die, and that's your only and the only and the only missions you have. And you got to die without dignity. You got to die horribly. You got to die in disgrace. Now, what would you think? Are you willing to die? And are you willing to take that risk to die? And last night, we have heard Reverend Ding mention some of the core and key contents. Namely, the Apostle John, he witnessed all of this scene, all this happened. Both Peter's witnesses and also how Jesus was brought, how Jesus was sentenced to the Roman soldiers, how Jesus was betrayed. John witnessed all this thing. But in this whole account, and according to what we have read, we have listened in this portion of the Bible, John wants to show us that the death and the suffering of Christ, it wasn't just a simple fact. It wasn't just an eyewitness by his beloved apostle John, but we will see that the suffering and the death of Christ it was to fulfill God's promise. It was to fulfill the word of God. And Christ was destined to die in this way. 
So we've all come to know the story of the suffering and the death of Christ. So today I will try to give some historical perspective on the suffering of Christ and how he loved us in pain and how he bore our sins, how he bore our suffering, how he bore anything for us in his pain, in disgrace. If you have the Bible along with you, let us all turn to John chapter 19, verse 16. John chapter 19, verse 16. And there he says, So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and he went up bearing his own cross to the place called the place of skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucify him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Now for those who live in the Roman Empire, they knew, the people knew how Roman soldiers crucify the prisoners, the condemned prisoners. It was horrible and shameful. So the purpose of this crucifixion was to create a horrific scene for the people in Roman Empire. It's a scene of painful and disgraceful death. Now, first of all, the prisoner was stripped naked without any shreds on his body, stripped naked, and he will be lashed, causing him to lose a lot of blood and go into a shock. And he was then to walk naked through the most crowded streets, carrying the heavy beam, carrying heavy, heavy wood. With his name, the sign board above him saying, that what crime has this prisoner committed? And upon arriving at the public execution site, the Roman soldier would hammer nails about 13 and to 18 cm long and 5 to 10 cm wide into the ankles and into the wrists. If you have known the culture of the Renaissance, Wen Yi Fu Xing, you all know the painting. Whenever we see the painting of Christ, we we'll just seeing three nails on that picture, on that painting. Probably four nails. But if according to some historical documentations, we can see that mostly we can see 14 nails will be nailed on the prisoners. Now try to imagine yourself 14, 13 cm to 18 cm long and 10 cm wide nail were nailed on your body. What would that feel? How would you feel? And so finally, the person is fits on the cross and live up. There is a difference between men and women being crucified. And men will be crucified by facing people. And women will be crucified by facing the cross, their back to the people. Naked, both naked. Now, in Roman style of crucifixions, it could take many days before a person died. 
The Roman soldier would wait until the man was dead before they could leave. So to speed up the death, and some Roman soldiers would stab to their hearts with spear, or maybe to their tibia fibula, or break his legs just to speed up the death. Or maybe they don't want to speed it up, and they just want to let him die slowly. In any case, slowly or quickly, it's a death without dignity. In the end, the body was left on the cross to decay and was eaten by animals. And that's the death without dignity. Disgraceful humiliations, and that's how our Lord suffered on that cross. And Pilate, the man who had the power to release the innocent and condemn the guilty, he was repeatedly saying that he couldn't find any sin in this righteous man, and proclaimed this. This man, the Son of God, the suffering servant, as the King of the Jews. Now, when the criminal is executed, the title of the criminal will be given, so that the reasons of the punishment will be made known to the crowd. But in the case of Jesus, it's a special case. No sin, no accusations could be found. And this man, Pilate, made the right statement: "This is the King of the Jews." But his fellow followers, his fellow people, deny him, and they fail to acknowledge that this is their King. As we have listened, they want Pilate to change what was written on that board, but Pilate refused their plea. And yet there is Jesus, complete goodness against whom they could find no indictment, no accusations, no sin, and was pinned on that cross. If ever there was an injustice in this world, it was Jesus on that cross. And this is exactly how Jesus prophesies himself in the Gospel of Matthew that he will be handed over to Gentile. Betrayed by his own disciple, and will be sentenced to death on that cross, and this is the first promise fulfilled by Christ. Now, when the Christ was crucified, the soldier took off his clothes and divided them into four parts. Now, in the ancient times. It was a custom for the executioners to take off the clothes of the prisoners as a reward. Now here, John he quotes from Psalm chapter twenty-two, verse eighteen, where David's experience of suffering is described in this portions, and John quotes from this. And David says, "I can count all my bones." They stare and glue over me. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Look at the word phrase. I can count all my bones. It's a reference to the fact that Jesus had to be naked, crucified naked on the cross. 
And the enemies of David, he, they took David's garment and cast the lots. This is the actions of humiliations. And it was fulfilled in Christ. And the experience that happened to David, how he was humiliated by his enemies, all was fulfilled in Christ. The third place, the thirst of Christ. And according to John, this was fulfillment, a fulfillment in Psalm 69, verse 21. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. Again, in the same way, what happened with David to David will be foreshadowed by what will happen to Christ. Now, normally we will all think that by giving Christ a sour wine is an out of mercy, a way to ease his pain. When it comes to giving Christ a sour wine, it's that was a disgrace. I've tried to look out on some of the documentations, especially in the Roman toilet, the book of Roman toilets, their archaeology and cultural history, where there is a paragraph on urination and defecation Roman style. Now here it says that there were many large theaters and many big places of entertainment in Roman Empire. And within that area, nearby these large theaters, nearby these open entertainment public spaces, there will be an open-air public toilets along the waterways, setting up for the convenience of those Roman citizens. So what would they do after they had gone to the toilet? Now, normally many Romans would use the smooth stone just to clear the bot their, their bottoms. But what about the rich Romans in the Roman society? They wouldn't use the stone, the smooth stone to clean their bottoms. For the rich in the Roman society, some slave would give the Roman a sponge wrapped with hyssop branch on the top of the hyssop branch and clean his bottom. Now, after the sponge was used, the slave would probably wash it in the waterway, or maybe the slaves will dip the sponge in the sour wine just to sanitize the sponge. Or maybe they will go out to the city and throw the sponge away. So in today's language, the sponge will light the toilet paper with the excrement on it. When we go back to the Bible, when we read again the words from our Lord, when he said, I am thirsty, and when he was handed over the sponge on that hyssop branch, now you will now understand that Jesus suffered humiliation beyond anything we can imagine. Crucified naked on the cross, 
abused in pathetic way. In human terms, we can say that our Lord was misunderstood, humiliated, mocked, persecuted, and died without dignity. Now, from the fulfillment of these three incidents, even though Christ's suffering and death, it was so tragic. Now, John tells us that all that Christ suffered was in fulfillment, was to fulfill what the Bible says. So Christ's suffering, shame, humiliation, death were things foreordained and predestined by God. And we can see in the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 18, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Now, my friends, Christ suffered in a way that we as modern people cannot imagine. Not only did Christ have to suffer, but so do we. Even Christ, before Christ separates with his disciples, he says that in the world you will have tribulations. And the world will hate those who follow Jesus Christ because we are not of the world, just as Christ are not of the world. So all who serve Christ, all who follow Christ, for Christ's sake, will be persecuted, will endure will encounter all kinds of suffering. So let us not hope that suffering will be far away from us. Let us not hope that we can avoid suffering. But let us think that suffering is normal for every Christian. And we often assume that, that we have worked so hard, that we have labored, that we have suffered more than the other brothers and sisters. Probably we can even think that we have suffered more than our God. But we do not know that what we have done and suffered for our faith is not even close to our beloved and begotten Savior. When we look in the Bible, we will find all messengers, disciples, prophets, apostles, Every single person in the Bible, they suffer. And that is to say, Christianity is not a religion that avoids people from suffering. But suffering is a beautiful means of connecting us to our God, to Christ. Suffering is the way to understand our suffering servant deeply. And because Christ was willing to suffer for us and experience pain of suffering, so the God who has suffered knows the pain we feel when we suffer because only a God who has suffered can help the one who suffers. Only the God who endures suffer, sufferings, He knows what we need. He knows what we've been through. If our God has never experienced suffering, if he has never loved us in pain, how can he understand us? 
And in the same way, if we have not experienced suffering for the sake of Christ, and how can we understand our Lord deeply? And how can we appreciate Christ deeply? And how can we say thank you? How can we say thank you for his death and suffering for all of us? So for those of you who have suffered from the Christian's faith, you will find that this Christian's faith is very precious. It does not only just allow you to see to experience the exact, what exactly Christ has experienced, but it also allows us to experience that there is a certainty when we are in the midst of suffering. You might wonder why many people, they can feel joyful when they are in the suffering. They're not crazy because they know that Christ has suffered for them and in their midst of suffering, they are connected with Christ and our faith is made strong in suffering. So Christ calls us to suffer and die for Christ and that means when the person decides to come to faith and be baptized as a Christian, it is also a decision for his or her life will begin a path of suffering for Christ. So if you are considering becoming a Christian, you must be aware of this and be prepared that there is a price to be paid to follow Christ. You've got to count the cost. And for those of you who are already Christians, you need to be brave enough to take on this life of suffering for Christ. Now, whatever we may think of suffering, Christ's suffering and humiliation were necessary. It's a must. He volunteered for us. And that is why he came to the earth. And we too must suffer for Christ. And we ought to volunteer to suffer for Christ. And yet despite his humiliation, our Lord fulfilled God's law perfectly. Even to the end of his death, our beloved Savior is thinking not of himself, but of his mother. Now, she must have been a good woman. A woman whose sister and friends could probably not think of letting her go to such a place at such a time. And these women no doubt love Jesus too. They love him and they are brave enough to encounter, to endure all the shame of standing with the crucified and the mother. And what a son that mother has. There he is dying on the cross, yet he looks at his mother. Now Jesus lives out the meaning of the commandment to honor father and mother. So those who will be like Jesus will be more concerned about others 
than about themselves. Those who will be like Jesus will see that their mother's needs are met. And that Jesus provides for his mother by entrusting her to the care of the beloved Apostle John. Even to his last breath, our beloved Savior loved in pain. Then it is finished. It is finished. And this is not only a statement that Christ has finished his mission on the earth, but also the words of victory. It's a triumphant statement. It's a victorious statement that I have won. It means it's fully paid. By laying on him our sins and transgressions, God transferred our sins to Christ and we no longer need to pay for it. It's finished. So for all Christians, we are now not under condemnation because it is finished. The righteous life has been lived. The greatest demonstrations of humility and love has been accomplished. The exact obedience of every Commandments from the Father has been maintained. The full measure of Father's wrath has been poured out. The penalty of sin has been paid. The substitute has taken place of his people. Our stains made clean. The demand of the law fulfilled. The pains and suffering of the people were taken. Guilt forgiven, all made new. Salvation accomplished, love and mercy demonstrate, truth of hell, mercy lavish, brokenness healed, evil unplanned, Satan was defeated, the promise of life has been made, it is finished. That is the triumphant statement from our begotten Savior. So though we should mourn and feel sad about the death of Christ, and on the other hand, on this day, we should declare by faith joyfully that his death is a triumphant declaration. As Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says that he likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is devil. By bruising Christ's heel in his death, Satan was defeated. And on the cross, as a priest, Christ offered the perfect sacrifice to the Father. And on the cross, as a prophet, Jesus declared that he is the only way, truth, and life to the Father. And on the cross, as the king, Jesus declared his kingship, his lordship, all over the world, that he is the king. And now all you must do is to believe this perfect savior has been perfectly offered to to Father. And all you must do is to believe them. And this, what this prophet 
proclaim that He is the only way to Christ, to Father. You ought to believe the Savior. And you ought to submit to His kingship. You have to believe in Jesus. There is no salvation apart from this. So what response could there be to such an event? Love Jesus and hate the sin that brought down the Father's wrath. Love Jesus and hate the sin that brought down the Father's wrath. Amaya, Mary, and John, and those who stood with him as he died. The world is ready to treat those who follow Jesus the same way it treated them. So are you with those who crucify? Or with the crucified? Are you with those who kill to protect themselves? Or are you with those who get killed to protect and bless others? So do you live for yourself a miserable existence or do you live to die for others? Trust him and he can save you. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you, Though we mourn, though we, we are sad about this moment, but by faith, joyfully, we can say that you gain victorious on this glorious cross. That you have gained victorious over the devil, over the power in this world. That to nothing we want to submit, but only submit to you, Father. By Christ, we are made clean, all made new. And by Christ, there is no condemnation in us. And by Christ, nothing in this world can set us apart because we are forever in Christ. And that's the sweetest and lovely promise made by that beloved Son of God. So in this day, Father, help us to ponder on the victorious event on that glorious cross that you have gained victorious over everything. Now you are the King. We adore you. And you are the King. We praise you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, 
he saved others. Let him save himself. If it is the cries of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. 